This is the first in a two-part series on running a successful property management business. And it doesn't matter whether you only have one or two properties or whether you have 50, the same principles apply. So in these two episodes, back to back, we're going back to the real basics to make sure that your success is guaranteed. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I am super delighted to be back with you once again. It's a really foggy day here today. It's fall is setting in, the colours are changing, and that is huge here in Ontario. You can go out in the morning, go out somewhere, come back in the afternoon, and the colours have changed. They're already becoming more vibrant in a couple of weeks' time, it is going to be magnificent. So we're all out on marketing for the four colours for our rental management company. And we've got some great weather too, which is pretty nice. As this is published, I'm actually away on a short vacation with my new RV, which we hope will be able to take across the border at some time soon. Uh, So we're a little bit south of where I live, a little bit north of Toronto. We're giving the RV a shakedown making sure that all the systems are working. And my goodness, this thing is a monster. I w- we had to buy a new truck to pull it because the one we had, which was completely adequate for the previous RV, is not for this one. And it's really weird, you know, we, when we went to pick it up, it was, or when we went to look at it, it was in an RV lot with other RVs to each side of it. So you don't actually notice the length of something. It's only meant to be six inches longer than our previous one, but um, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's big. Anyway, that's what I'm doing right now. And I mean, I'm not spending all the time checking out all the systems on the RV. Um, we're actually testing out working on the road because if we can get away for five months this winter, then uh, I will be doing everything on the road. I'll be running the podcast, creating videos, doing the course that I'm going to be announcing shortly. And yeah, everything's going to be done from the road. So I've got a little office in my RV and a nice, nice desk. So I'm testing that out right now, which is proving to be lovely because I have a nice big picture window out of the back and wherever we happen to be, I'll be able to see the scenery. Very, very nice. So what I'm actually doing this week is something we do each year and it's bringing up to date our business plan, an executive summary. And it got me thinking that, you know, this is something that every business should do every single year is go back to the business plan that you should have made when you started your business, bring it up to date and have an executive summary. And I'm going to be talking about all these things in the course of this episode. And then a few more things that help to make your business successful. Because at the end of every summer, we 
do reflect back on what worked and what didn't in the course of the summer. And in fact, usually at this time of year, I do an episode on, on that. But, you know, it's, it's not a lot different from every year. A couple of things that we've included this year that we haven't had before. We took on Breezeway, text messaging, which was a game changer. And I think I've mentioned that in a few other episodes. We streamlined some other things. And of course, we've been refining our use of our TouchStay guides and also using the messaging systems that come with TouchStay as well. And, and it's all been working pretty seamlessly and has taken a lot of work off my staff this year because so much of, of what we do now is automated. So I'll probably be talking about that as well in these two episodes. And this is a sort of very brief series, which I'm calling the foundations of property management. It's what you have to have in place. We should have, keep saying that, what you have to have in place, but you know, you should have this, if you're already running a property management company, then hopefully you've got something like this already in place. But if you're like me, it was years into the business before I realized that I was reinventing the wheel every year when I we were, we were looking back and saying, you know, what worked, what didn't, but we didn't have a sort of baseline to work from. So if you start out in your business with a good strategy to manage the entire business, if you start with the foundations and then you build on them and each year you come back and check on how everything is going, it does make it easier because you've already got the framework in place. And I think that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, we're going to create this framework for a business. So a bit like a blueprint. So each year you come back, you look at the blueprint and then you adjust it and make some changes. And maybe you don't make changes in certain areas because they're working perfectly. But the the thing of this is it is a living document. So I'm going to talk about in this episode, I'm going to talk about that living document. I'm going to briefly discuss something else that we do every year, which is a SWOT analysis. I'm going to talk about your USP, your unique selling point. And this is particularly helpful for somebody that is coming into the business for the first time and is trying to grow the business. And I see so many posts on the Facebook groups where people are saying, you know, I want to get into property management. How do I do it? And how do I get the owners? And the fact is, is there are so many steps that you have to go through first before you start looking for your owners. And one of those is determining what your unique selling point is, or perhaps it's your niche. We'll also talk about networking and the things that you should do to communicate with your peers. We don't want anybody out there operating in a vacuum. I did that when I started in this business and it, I can tell you, it does not work. Um, so, so that will be it for this episode. And then next week, we're going to just drill down a little bit into the things that you have to have in place. And if you're already running a property management company, you will have all this in place, but it's something that you need to review every year. If you're starting out, then this is a list of what you need to have. So we'll be talking about your website, your property management software, communication workflow, owner acquisition strategy, your boots on the ground and marketing. 
So this week, we're just talking about the four main things that form the foundation of the business. And then next week, we'll go into, you know, sort of a nitty gritty of it. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope so. And don't get the idea that you know, this is a boring thing to do because it, it is not. It is, in fact, very insightful. If you've already been in business a while and you're looking back on it, or certainly, you know, if you're starting out, getting this in place at the beginning is going to be your savior. Because, and I'm going to kick off really with with a business plan, why you should have one and why you must have, if nothing else, an executive summary. And this is the summary that outlines the whole business sort of in a nutshell, in a couple of pages, because the one thing that you have to have when you start this business is an exit strategy to know how you're going to, if you're starting the business, you need to know how you'll finish it. And I know some of, some of you will say, well, you know, that could be 20 or 30 years. I intend being in, in this business for decades. How will I know how I'm going to finish it? But as I said, this is a living document. You just do it every year. You revisit it. So having the executive summary is really the basis of your exit strategy. If you decide you're going to sell or if you're going to pass it on or whatever you're going to do with your business, at the end of the day, the executive summary is the document that is going to map out what your business is like to anybody that is considering buying it. So your executive summary, in fact, is your business plan in a nutshell. And what it does is briefly tells anybody looking at it what your company is and why it will be successful if you're starting out or why it is successful if you've been going for some time. So ideally, it will include your mission statement. And I know there's a lot out there about mission statements and visions and these things, but it really is worth thinking about, you know, how you want to be seen by your customers and by your clients as a business. What is it that you're going to do that actually makes a difference in their lives? And that's what we do. I mean, we create dreams, don't we? We make differences in people's lives. I mean, there's, there's a vision statement or a mission statement to, to kick off with, you know, we create dreams. I'm sure there's plenty of them out there that say exactly that. But then, of course, your mission statement defines what you do. So you include your mission statement in the executive summary. You have a brief outline of your products and services, how many properties you have, what different services you offer. Can you see here already that each year you'd revisit it again and adjust those numbers? And you always keep you know, you always keep your old executive summaries so that you have a year on year record of how your business is growing. You'll also have basic information about your company's leadership team and employees. So where are you now? Maybe you're just starting out. It's just you and that's fine. You want a brief description of, of you and your background, your story, why you started this. And I've done plenty of episodes in this podcast on writing your about us section for your website. And basically, if you've got an about us section on your website, that becomes part of your executive summary. So you detail your location, you know, where your products are being sold. 
So, I mean, for us here, it's Southern Ontario. It's the nine regions that make up Southern Ontario. That's where our products are being sold. Some of our competitors just focus on one particular region. So their executive summaries would include that one particular region. Just think about the executive summary as a document that somebody else who has no idea of the business could read and could make sense of it and could really understand the picture, the broad picture of where you are as a company. When I talk about a company, you know, we've said in the past that every one of us, regardless of whether we have one property or five or 10 or a hundred, we are all running a business because the moment you step into accepting money in exchange for accommodation, you are a business owner. You're selling something, you're receiving payment for it, you're going through all your accounting systems to make sure that everything is accounted for, so therefore you're running a business. So get the idea that you are small, you are mighty. Because you're small and mighty means that you are a business owner. So just wanted to get that out of the way. So back to the executive summary, you should also include financial information and any high level growth plans. You know, if you plan to ask for some financing somewhere along the way, that's another reason for keeping this document updated all the time. So if you think about it, if somebody comes in to buy your company at some some point, they want to see three years of your books. They want to see three years of growth. So keeping this up to date is so important. Okay. So that's the overview, the executive summary. If that's all you do, then you are stepping for sure in the right direction. But let me break it down a bit. So your business plan, whether you're starting a business or whether you've been in business a few years, it's all going to be the same. So you're going to write your company description and that provides detailed information about your company. Within this, you go into detail about the problems that your business solves for people. This is very important for talking about how you solve problems for owners and create a solution that allows them to step back and just accept their money every month or every week or however often you pay them, because there's plenty of owners out there who don't want to go the Airbnb route. So your company description should be very, very clear in how you work with owners, not just how you sell your properties to rental guests. So in this company description, you're going to be specific. You list out all your customers, the different customers and any organizations or businesses that your company plans to serve. So take a few minutes and really Think about that. Just put down some bullet points about what makes your company special and who your stakeholders are. Secondly, in your business plan, you're going to have a market analysis. And I'm sure you will have a good understanding of your industry outlook and your target market. You know who you're aiming for. I do hope that you've done some work on your guest demographic. Who are the people that you're wanting to attract? to come and stay at your homes. Remember to do this for both guests and owners because, you know, without the homes, you won't have the guests. So it's really important to think about that pretty clearly at the very outset. So in the market analysis, you can bring in all the competitive research that you've done that shows what other businesses are doing and what their strengths are. 
and of course weaknesses. And we're going on in a few minutes, we're going to talk about a SWOT analysis, which looks at these strengths and weaknesses. Look for any trends and themes. This is where you go to your tourism authorities and go and ask them the questions about inbound travellers. Has it changed? I mean, we know that in the past two years that the inbound traveller demographic in the US has changed pretty dramatically, particularly if you're in an area that was seeing a lot of international travellers. There are none, very few of them. So we've, we've sort of gone back to a domestic market. So it's very, very different. Be really useful to go to your tourism offices and ask if they've got statistics over the past two years on inbound tourism and your inbound market. You need to look at your competitors and you lay this out in your market analysis. In your market analysis, you've got to have some information on who your competitors are, who your major competitors, who are up and coming competitors. What are they doing that makes them successful? Why does it work? Could you do it better? So in that market analysis, you should be answering those questions. So thirdly, we'll look at organization and management, how your company is structured and who's actually going to run it. Now, most of us who are running these small businesses, we've been doing it ourselves for many, many years. And the organization has sort of come in after us, if you like. I always remember talking to Steve Milo of VR Trips and I mean, his, his company is now massive. One of the biggest vacation rental management companies in the world, in fact. And he started out doing this all by himself until he had, I believe, 125 properties before he hired his first member of staff. Now, he did have cleaning teams and housekeeping, but his way of working was that he employed the technology to make his business easier for him to manage by himself. And he's been very, very consistent with that. I'll put a link to the interview I did with Steve Milo because it's really interesting. Just looking back on on how he started and the massive growth of his company over time, because he was just like the majority of us at the very beginning, just a one-man band. And I see many people out there now who are growing their businesses in massive ways. And they started out a very short time ago with just one or two properties. So it's, it's very, very interesting to watch them grow. But what I know is if you, when you're starting out, it's difficult to, to look at company and decide, well, how many people do I have? Am I going to get people? Will I do it myself? How big do I want it to grow? So just start with laying out the legal structure of your business. You know, are you incorporated? And in the US, that would be as a C or an S corporation. Are you going to form a general or limited partnership or a sole proprietorship or a limited liability company? There are a lot of different options out there for you if you haven't yet started properly in the business or if you've just been going a short time. And you may may be thinking, well, where is this going? This is the time to look ahead and to do your five-year plan and say, okay, in five years, I am going to be this type of company. 
And this is how many people I want within my organizational structure. Um, you can create an organization chart to lay out who's in charge of what in the company. And I know in my company, it hasn't been very structured. I mean, we started out myself, my business partner, and then the first person we hired was a bookkeeper and Sandra became our office manager. So she became our backbone basically. And then after that, we hired somebody to do our marketing all the while, both of you know, our staff were key in doing reservations as well. And then we've now got a customer service manager and, and we have other reservationists as well. But it wasn't really planned. It wasn't really structured. And I think looking back, we could probably have done better at it, certainly in, in defining who was doing what and, and how they would proceed through the company. But it's working pretty well. But each year we go back to this business plan and go, okay, is this all working? Did it work this year with everybody in those positions? Should we be looking at moving people around and making one that this person responsible for this and this person responsible for that? So it's, it's constant. It's a, it's a moving feast, if you like. So next is your products and services, I guess. So in your business plan, you describe what you're selling. So you're selling vacations, but are you selling upmarket vacations? Are you selling to a particular demographic? And what services are you offering? Are you offering concierge services? Are you offering doing upselling as well? So explain within the business plan how this is benefiting your customers. In here, you can define the types of properties that you will offer. And when we started, we pretty much took on everything anything and everything. And I think many small property managers do that. You know, if somebody wants me to manage their property, I'm going for it. I'll, I'll take it on because I want to increase the volume, get the numbers up. Over time, we've refined what we're looking for in the way of properties. And we have, you know, a, a much more clearly defined criteria for the properties we'll accept onto our management program. And I think I'm not sure, you know, I just wonder whether we would have done that at the start. Because I think when you kick off, you do just want to grow with anything you've got. If you're too selective, you may not get the properties to, to start with. I don't know. I'd love to hear from, from those of you who have grown their companies from the beginning and set some criteria from the start. I know one of... Um, I, She's not actually one of our competitors because this property manager here in Ontario did set their definitions right at the start. And we have a company called Jane's Cottages and it started in our Muskoka region. And it, it's an area of, it's just stunningly beautiful with some of the massive, the biggest lakes in Southern Ontario. And this is where the mansions are. And Jane started her company to be not competitive with all the other rental management companies in Ontario, she decided she was going to do it differently and just target the higher end properties and offering everything, full concierge services, full property management, which you probably know, I've mentioned this before, we can't always do because our properties are so diversely located. It's difficult to offer a clear property management option. 
But Jane decided that she would do this from the start. She would have her own housekeeping teams and offer something different. And it's been incredibly successful for Jane. I'm looking to get her on the podcast shortly to talk about how she did start and you know how her business is growing. But within your business plan, you need to define what your products are going to be, what, what the types of properties, what you're going to be offering. So next in your business plan, marketing and sales. And this is something that always evolves and changes to fit your unique needs. But your goals in this section is simply to describe how you're going to attract and retain your clients. Once again, you've got to do this at two levels. You've got to do this from the guest level and you've got to do this from the owner level. And I'm going to talk about owner acquisition in the next episode in a little more detail. So we'll just stick at the moment in this marketing and sales section of the business plan. You will have some brief descriptions of how you attract and retain both your guests and your owners. You know, one of the reasons this is so important is that you will always refer back to this section later when you make financial projections. So you need to describe your complete marketing and sales strategies in this section. You know, are you just going to do Airbnb and VRBO, just the platforms and nothing else? Which, of course, you know me, I do not recommend. I always recommend that you kick off your business with a focus on direct bookings, on being independent of the platforms. But just make sure you include that in the marketing and sales section. Then we move on to financial projections. So if you're creating a business plan and you're going to show it to somebody, you've got to convince them that the business is stable and it's going to be a financial success. It was interesting. Yesterday, I was talking to a, a new owner who was considering buying a property for investment. And, and we got quite deep into return on investment and whether it was an equity purchase or you know she was looking for some profit level from the rental. And we were exploring some different ideas, whether it could be, whether she could actually do this sensibly with a three season property, which is unlikely um, because of the cost of upkeep and whether it was actually worthwhile buying a rental property or sticking with residential rental. And... This was, this was something I'm sort of doing one-on-one -on -one with this owner. But when you're making your business plan, you've got to think about it uh, as, a, as a much wider and broader topic. Because to be a financial success, obviously you've got to make some money and you've got to know how you are going to make that money. It's very easy to kick off and think that, you know, you're renting for a decent nightly rate and you're going to rent for X number of nights a year and that's going to be very nice. Thank you. But if you're not taking into account all those expenses and it's not just the expenses of the cleaning and maintenance, but it's expenses of marketing. It's the expenses of your property management software, of running your website, of all these things that are going to amortize across all your properties. And it will show you that this, this is probably more of a volume business than you may have thought of when you started out. So if your business is already established, which I'm sure for many of you um, it, it, it is. In those financial projections, you'll include some income statements, your balance sheets, cash flow statements for the last three to five years. And then every year when you redo this, you can drop some of the old ones off and then you put the new ones in. 
because you always want this updated as a prospective financial outlook for the next five years. So you're constantly updating it. So you'll also include forecasted income statements. You know, is your how many owners are you planning on getting this year? How many will you get next year? In five years' time, how many properties will you have under management? And then for the current year or the first year, you're going to be even more specific and use some quarterly and maybe even monthly projections. This is really important if you're going to look for some funding of any sort. So there you are. That's, that's the basics of your business plan and the executive summary, this living document that just grows every year. You just revisit it, probably spend a day over it every year. Always interesting to go back to when you, when you do this exercise to go back to three or four years ago and see where you were then. If you are of the mind to do Excel spreadsheets or get somebody in to do you some spreadsheets to show you the graphs, your growth graphs from five years ago to now, if nothing else, it can be very, very motivating. I am hoping it's not going to be unmotivating, but what we're seeing in this business is that for, for any property management business that is doing everything right, then... COVID aside, and I know that there are some businesses that have really struggled and had challenges through the pandemic, but for many, there has been some very strong growth. So get those, get those charts done. If you can't do it, find a friend, somebody else who you can just give the figures to year on year figures, and they can create you some great graphs and spreadsheets. And then those get added every year to your business plan. So there you are. That's what you do. You do a business plan. The executive summary really summarizes the whole of the business plan. And it means if you suddenly said, oh, I've had enough, I'm going to sell, you've already got the bare bones of your sales brochure. Your executive summary becomes what you can show to a prospective buyer to say, hey, look, you know, this business has really grown well over the past few years. I'm ready to sell it. And I think you will be very successful if you buy it at the price I'm asking. Without it, what are you going to do? You just, you probably have to do the same exercise and it will take you a lot longer to do. If you've got this as a constant living document, it's always there. Okay. The second thing I want to talk about is a SWOT analysis. And I'm sure those of you that have been in the corporate world at any time know what this is. It's, it's a way of looking at the business from the terms of your strengths, weaknesses, and what opportunities and threats are out there. And the way we do this, is we look at the strengths and weaknesses that are internal to the company. Now, the things that you have some control over and can change. So some examples would be the people you hire. Your strengths could be, our strength is certainly in our bookkeeper, in Sandra. She's an amazing bookkeeper and she's always been a strength to us. Our weakness in hiring is that this summer we did not hire our customary law student to help us deal with customer issues. And it's been a weakness for a couple of years because we have not been able to get the right caliber of person. So, so that's something that we would put on a SWOT analysis chart. Other examples would be the technology you use, your systems, and maybe your reliance on OTAs. 
You know, Airbnb could be a strength, but it's also a weakness if that's all you rely on and something changes or their algorithms change and people aren't seeing your properties anymore. So it becomes a weakness. So, you know, just listing on Airbnb, as I say, is possibly a negative factor that actually detracts from your strengths. And these are things that you might need to improve on to actually be competitive. Then the second part of this is to look at your opportunities and threats. And these are external things that are going on outside of your company in the larger market. So you can take advantages of opportunities and protect against threats, but you can't change them. These things are happening. For example, competing owners and managers. Maybe um, Vacasa is getting very strong in your area and they are targeting all your previous clients. Or maybe another small company has opened up and it's starting to attract some of the owners that you are looking to attract. So those would be the threats. Some of the opportunities maybe in certain areas, maybe a new business park is opening and people are going back to work and they're going to come and visit this business park. They're going to need accommodation. Opportunities could be, of course, this last two years, huge opportunity has been the growth in the domestic market. So these are many, many more people in the, and I'm talking US here, but maybe in, in, in other countries, certainly in our market, we had a lot more people discovering our area of cottage country that they'd never known existed before because they'd always uh, gone abroad. So this, this has been a huge opportunity to capture this market and do something with it. Another example would be the prices. So another example of threats could be prices of cleaning, hugely uh, inflated in our area and very difficult to come by. A lot of people are just not working. And I know I've heard this from, from other managers that they're having such difficulty in getting housekeeping staff. So that's for sure a threat. So you look at these external opportunities and threats. And then once you've got something in each of these quadrants in the strengths and the weaknesses and the opportunities and the threats, and you've organized them into a, into a list, you then come up with this, this nice two by two grid that shows you what you can work on, how you can use your strengths to combat some of the threats perhaps, and how you can use some of the opportunities to beat the weaknesses. So I'll be doing another session on SWOT analysis. It's something that I did years and years ago when I was in the corporate world, and I've always used it. I've always used it because it seems like it's common sense to look at these things, but it's just looking at them from another perspective. So stay tuned on this. I've got some materials I'm going to be sharing. I may not be able to attach them to this, the show notes for this episode, but if I once I have completed them, I will upload them and let you download the SWOT analysis grids that I'm creating. So finally, in this episode, I want to talk about determining your unique selling point. What is going to stand you out from the competition? So I just talked about Jane's Cottages, and there are maybe 20 odd rental management companies here in Southern Ontario, maybe more. We all have the same competition from independent owners doing their own advertising on Airbnb and um, Verbo. 
And Jane came along and she looked at all this and she figured that she needed to do something different. Well, I'm guessing that's what she did. I'm going to be talking to her. I'll find this out. But she did it. She only targets the high end and nobody else across the province was targeting this particular niche. The people who are going to spend $20,000 for a week of vacation, the celebrities who want to go on vacation, the executives who have disposable income that will allow them to buy an entire summer at a property and use it when they feel like it. They just don't have to buy the property itself. They're just going to have it for one year. And having determined that unique selling point or that niche allowed Jane to create her brand. And her brand is very, very strong here in Ontario. And personally, it, it's, I, don't want, I don't want to be dealing with very, very high-end clients. They're very demanding. I don't have the staff to enable me to do that. So all power to Jane for doing that. And she's making a huge success of it. But that is her unique selling point. I talked to recently to Alana Meal in Lincoln City, Oregon. Her USP, her unique selling point, is very location specific. So she just markets properties in a very, very small location, a place called Lincoln City, Oregon. And it's in a very defined area in Lincoln City. So she has chosen just to be very location specific and actually get to know that location so well that she is the guru, if you like, for that particular area. I've talked previously to Rick Oster of Oster Golf Houses, and he chose houses on golf courses to be his unique selling point. Very specific houses. He actually built them, developed them. I'll put a link into the interview I did with Rick, and you can check that out. So another, another niche or unique selling point could be accessible properties, properties that disabled people would find easy to access. Maybe you have focus on properties that accept pets. And I mean, that is wide, a wide niche. And your USP may be like ours is in our area. We don't charge for pets. That is our USP. And it's very clear on the front of our website, no charges for pets. Everybody else charges for pets, but we don't. And, and we get a lot of kudos for that. That's our USP or one of them. Another USP could simply be focusing on people who are relocating for work and require accommodation, short-term accommodation before they go into a longer-term accommodation. So there's a lot of different ones out there, but you've got to find something that's going to stand you out from your competition, particularly if it's in a crowded area or else you're just another property management company. You've got to find those owners. You've got to tell them what makes you different. Why should they come to you and put their properties in your hands? Why should they trust you? What's your expertise? So it's really important that as a foundation of one of the foundations of your business is that you determine what makes you special. And if you can't figure out what makes you special, then really sit down and decide on the future of your business, the direction it's going 
to take because you will find that if you dilute it too much, then you will not get the owners that you want to trust you. So if you get stuck on that, you know, try going around to the, the Facebook groups f- for the locations that you're going to be working in and looking at what guests are looking for when they're asking their questions. So maybe, you know, maybe it's fishing and that just brings to mind Miss Kitty's vacation rentals, which specifically target people who want to go to Rockport, Texas and fish. So she does accept pets, etc. but her business is focused on those people who love to fish. And that is a great way of, you know, tying in the USP and the niche and targeting a very, very specific group of people. So let's say maybe your properties are in areas of like ours are in the, the all waterfront and we could very easily target kayakers or canoeists. In fact, we have a wider niche, which is every single property, one of our properties has private waterfront. But have a think about what your niche is, what what makes you stand out for the rest, what makes you special. Okay, so in this episode, we have covered the executive summary, a business plan, really that includes the exit strategy because the business plan and the executive summary are a very significant part of your exit strategy, which you should have at the outset of the business. And then we've talked about doing a SWOT analysis and finally how, why it's important to determine your USP. So that is just three parts of this foundation of building a successful property management business. In next week's episode, I'm going to talk about seven more areas that you need to have within this foundation. So we'll be talking about networking, your website, property management software, communication workflow, your owner acquisition strategy, which should actually be an entire episode on its own, um, and maybe it will, your boots on the ground, the people that work for you and work with you and make your business successful because actually without those people, it really isn't going anywhere. And then we will talk a little bit about marketing at the end because of course you've got to talk about marketing and it is part of the foundation, you know, knowing where your marketing strategy is going. So I hope you found this interesting and it's inspired you to have a look at whatever business plan you had in place when you started your business and to see where you've come from there. If you are just starting out, if you are going to be small and mighty, then make sure you have this in place. I'd love to hear from any of you who are planning on starting out on this journey because I am very committed over the next six months to bringing you a course or a series of courses that take you from the one property and to help you build that business. Two years ago, in fact, two years ago, I started it. I started to create a course called uh, PM Pro, which is Property Management Professional, 
which was a course designed to help people who wanted to start property management companies. But I wasn't really specific enough in that, how I wanted it to be put together. I am more focused now. I'm very, very focused on those people who are starting out, who either haven't got their first owner yet, or who are up to about, or who've got a few of their own properties and thinking of growing. And and maybe those who are up to five or 10 properties and want to go further. So when I did PM Pro, it was going to be released in March of 2020. And you know what happened in March of 2020? We were down in Texas and we had to pack up sticks and, and, and head home before the borders closed. And we put it in abeyance. But now I am inspired to recreate this and be very, very focused with it. I would love to hear from anybody who would be interested in a course such as this and interested in getting involved in the beta course, which is something I'm going to be announcing probably in the next four to six weeks. Um, Something we can do right the way through the winter. So let me know if that's something you're interested in. You can send me a direct message on Facebook, on my Facebook uh, page. You can go to Vacation Rental Formula on Facebook. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about it on there. Or you could just email me at heather at cottageblogger.com and we will have a discussion about it. So with that said, I am heading off and going to enjoy the rest of my day in my RV, vacationing an hour from home, (laughs) because that's about as far as I can go. Looking forward to the border opening and getting across there and getting down south for the winter. But you know, if not, I will spend the winter here in, uh, in the snow and enjoy it just as much. So thank you so much for listening, guys. It's always such a... It's always great to know that uh, that I'm in your ear and many of you do listen to the end because I do have those stats. We are heading to our 1 million downloads, which will happen uh, in the next few months. And I suppose I'm going to have some sort of celebration around there, but it's, it's, it's a while coming yet. Anyway, thank you for listening. I look forward to sharing next week's episode with you as well, because I think you're going to find that really enlightening. So for now, happy listening. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.